Hi everybody, it's Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. I hope you're doing very well. This is the Free Domain Radio review of the movie Zeitgeist Addendum. I did see the first Zeitgeist and I always enjoy their discussion of the state monopoly monetary phenomenon that uh, money equals debt and the horrible, uh, the horrible predations that come out of the Federal Reserve Systems. I think they do an excellent job with that. I'm not a truther around 9-11 uh, and um, uh, I don't particularly care about the mythology of religion because it's all a fairy tale. But uh, so let's have a look at a movie that I was rooting for and then felt uh, kicked in the nads during the second half and we'll see if my reaction makes any sense or not. The first uh, half uh, is around the monetary system and the um, the economic hitman. Uh, it's, again, it's a great book if you get a chance, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. It's very interesting and worth reading or listening to. And uh, it's good. I've got nothing to say about the first half, uh, but, oh, dear Lord, then does it uh, goes into a kind of hippy-dippy, bong-laced <laughs> kind of uh, uh, stroll through all of the conceivable errors you could make in economics, it explodes into a near supernova of irrational fail towards the end. And uh, let's look at the second half, since um, the first half is good. So the basic thesis, let's run through a little bit of what Addendum is talking about. Institutions and organizations are interested in preserving their money and power. Well, uh, who's going to disagree with that? Profit-based institutions, you see, like receiving profits... That's good. The desire for money equals profit. And that is where you begin to get really messed up. If you hold that thesis, then you uh, indicate the limitations of the economic knowledge. People who make products prefer no competition, which is not at all true. Uh, people lie to sell you things, which of course is true, but it's not the whole truth of competent salesmanship. And I have been a salesman for many years in the software industry at a pretty high level and have sold to 50 probably of the Fortune 500 companies. Um, lying really doesn't get you very far for very long. So that's, that's not true, right? Money and trust. They say, oh, it's hard in a monetary system that's profit-based to trust people. If I say to the customer in my lamp store that the lamps next door are actually better than uh, I go out of business. So you lie to people. It's hard to be ethical in a monetary system. Uh, they said, uh, if they say industry cares for people, that is not true. They cannot afford to be ethical. Again, this puts this old Marxist idea forward or socialist idea that profits uh, comes at the expense of people, which is, of course, not at all true. And I'll go into why in, the, in this uh, presentation. The system is not designed to serve the needs of the people. Otherwise, there would be no outsourcing. Um, this is just retarded. I don't know how to put it nicer. It's like they never, ever uh, talked to a, a, a competent economist before making this film. And the problem with this kind of stuff, for me, is that I don't know much about, uh, much detail about the history of Christian mythology, but when they do start making egregious and ridiculous errors, the makers of this movie, when they do start making these egregious errors about areas that I do have some expertise in, it throws the whole rest of it into question, of course, and that's a problem. So so the basic equation is that capitalism equals socialism equals, fa uh, cap uh, uh, equals fascism equals communism, that um, mercantilism or the union of corporations with the coercive power of the state is identical to me uh, trading a pen uh, for a pig with you. Uh, so they kind of blend all this stuff together. 
Um, and what they do is they sort of blend capitalism and fascism together, right? So fascism is nominal private control of industry, but state management of industry through profits, regulation, and um, the protection of monopolies. Uh, capitalism, of course, ideally is a, is a voluntary free market, uh, a voluntarist sort of a situation, but they kind of conflate the two. They say all of these different isms, what they have in com uh, common is monetaryism. I probably could throw jism in there too. A competition-based economy leads to, oh, what are the charges against money and competition? Uh, corruption, a wealth gap, class warfare, limited technology, exploitation, and a covert, covert form of government dictatorship by, rich, by the rich elite. So uh, let's just say they have some criticisms, <laughs> to say the least. And they say, well, you know, companies that pollute, uh, it's obvious that the corruption, but of course the government is by far the biggest polluter. Uh, 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 governments are by far the biggest polluters. Uh, on the planet, uh, even if you discount war, just the amount of, of garbage and trash and poison that they spew out is staggering. So um, you can talk about private industry, of course, and it's worth talking about. But um, if you're really concerned about pollution, you, the first in, uh, institution you should want to get rid of is the government. And then they say, ah, but on a more subtle level, when Walmart comes into a community and uh, destroys the mom and pop Outfits, uh, that's uh, another kind of pollution. They, they force them to close. They use all of this language that is just ridiculous, frankly. I mean, if you're going to conflate violence and voluntarism and not even notice it, then you're saying that rape equals lovemaking and therefore sex is bad. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous uh, to, to say and indicates well, kind of pandering to a particular group, which maybe we'll get to or not. So what else they talk about? Well, politicians cannot solve problems. Only technicians can. Well, I certainly agree that politicians cannot solve problems, but I think that technicians can. Uh, and technicians can, but there's lots of other groups who can solve problems. Uh, technology alone has improved our lives. Nothing, they say, produced in a profit-based society is even remotely sustainable or efficient. Well... Again, that just shows a blinding lack of regard to the basic facts of history that when you had a non-monetary, non-profit-based society such as the Dark Ages uh, or the early Middle Ages, really up until the Quattrocento, you really did not have a lot of technical technological innovation, right? I mean, it didn't really work out very well. It was when uh, profits were introduced uh, through the... Um, uh, uh, through the um, uh, the enclosure movement in the uh, 17th and 18th centuries, which produced the agricultural revolution, which produced the excess crops, which allowed for people to be sustained in the cities. It was the growth of private property rights and the spread of those that produced the incentives for industrialization, which improved the lives of uh, uh, the hundreds of millions of people around the world. So when they say that it's not even remotely sustainable or efficient, you know, they just overstate the case to the point where they just look like idiots, frankly. Uh, abundance, they say, is also bad for profits. And this is an old chestnut of the left, which is that, um, you know, if you find a bunch of diamonds, you'll just throw them out. Because if you sell the diamonds, then uh, you will get less profit for diamond. And that's bad. And you hold it back and so on. And um, that's not, uh, it's not true. Not true in the free market. It's true in other situations, which they don't differentiate. Because of this, uh, it's impossible to live without war and poverty or any kind of ethical behavior. Uh, we're evil, the sky is falling, Satan rules our loins, and uh, apparently we um, 
go down on the Venus Project for the rest of our lives and everything is wonderful. They quickly delve into social engineering, which is if you eradicate the conditions that produce corruption, you change the behavior. There's no such thing as human nature. There's only behavior, which is determined by environment. In the new society, there will be no laws or prisons or even any occupations. They will be no longer relevant. We only need money to obtain resources because of real or artificial, quote, scarcity. We don't pay for air or tap water. Um, that's certainly not true. Of course we pay for tap water. I mean, of course we just pay through taxes, right? It's those basic facts which are just kind of missing. Ah, in the future there'll be no need for jobs, and, you know, given the trippy, dreamy music and the creepy, blonde, Aryan, black-and-white guy, um, I can see that this movie may well be appreciated by those who are under the influence, let's say, and so the idea that, uh, well, I could just sit here and bong and I don't have to get a job, I can see that being appealing to a particular uh, segment of society. Um, so they say, well, we've got a resource-based economy. Um, if we switch to a resource-based economy, we alternate energy sources, geothermal, wind, uh, solar, and so on. Um, we can change our transportation. And then they, they go completely hysterical uh, in terms of this uh, slanderous stuff towards voluntary interactions. Ah, the moment you punch that time clock, you walk into a dictatorship. Well, you might want to read the Gulag Apicalago before you start comparing... Um, a Starbucks punch clock to a fascistic or communistic dictatorship. Again, it's just, it's embarrassing because it just gets so hysterical and insane towards the end. And that, that th the shame of it is that it makes the first stuff, which I think is good, look retarded to people who are skeptical, right? So what's wrong with all this? Well, let's talk about profit. And profit is something that's misunderstood. The first thing that, that you need to differentiate is that you could say that profit is the, the return on investment that you get for a particular resource expenditure allocation. So if I go out and buy a gun, which costs me 50 bucks, and I go and hold a guy up for 100 bucks, ooh, I've made a profit of $50. But that's not really what the word profit means. And so it's really important if you want to be credible in the realm of economics and society that you differentiate between profits that are generated through violence like mugging or taxes or war spoils or government contracts, profits that are accrued through violence versus profits that are accrued through voluntarism. It's very, if you don't know that difference, if you can't understand or explicate that difference, then you don't have a freaking clue what you're talking about when it comes to the economy. You're like a doctor who doesn't know the difference between cancer and healthy cells. It's ridiculous to, to speak about it. You know, profits from selling arms, right, so the government taxes us, uh, gives the money to uh, McDonnell Douglas and other corporations who then create arms, which the government then sells to other governments who pay for it through the violence uh, taxation extracted from their own population. But this is just a mafia thing, right? I mean, that's just criminal. Uh, whereas a compact selling you notebooks, really not the same thing. And it's embarrassing to see some intelligent people uh, talk about this as if it's the same. You gotta, you gotta differentiate institutionalized theft versus service to the consumer. And it comes down to the, uh, you know, $5 trillion question. Uh, it's the game show of reality called, ha, gun or no gun. So let's um, uh, look into this, right? So this is what people don't understand. There's a little, little schmancy graphics for you. So in a society, we have voluntary stuff, right? I mean, we have stuff that we do voluntarily. I mean, if you go for a job, you don't uh, take a gun in and hold the guy hostage until he gives you the job. You don't kidnap his children. You know, 
there's volume if you if you go on a date you don't uh, be, cudgel the girl and and take her home I mean, it's all voluntary stuff that you interact with when you want a coffee you don't steal it you buy it or whatever right so we have all these voluntary things in society now there is in any society uh, a small subset of violence right of people who are parasitical who are violent who are criminals i think it's actually smaller than this in a really free society but i wanted you to be able to read the font oh and remember that off to that way i think it is uh, to the left there's a link for a high def version of this so we've got voluntary and we've got violent and then there's a whole bunch of people who say um we need a government because of this violence and we're going to use the government to make this violent aspect of society smaller so they create a state now of course the state always comes with society but that's the general justification that's used and so the state the state is supposed to jump up and down on this violent thing and make it go away and the trade-off is that we get less violence but that's not what happens of course the state is an agent of agency of violence the reason it's slightly overlapped with voluntary is there's this illusion called democracy at least in modern times so what happens is those who like to profit from using violence basically get off the streets and get into congress right so the violent people all move to the state right because the state has overwhelming violence and the state has the legal right to initiate the use of force so what happens is those people join the government and the government because of its monopoly uh, on violence and its overwhelming capacity to control and rule through violence uh, it grows right and of course uh, as an inevitable result and simultaneous with this growth the voluntary aspect of society diminishes and so basically the gun eclipses the handshake uh, the the visible fist uh, smashes aside the invisible hand and that is of course where we are at the moment right and if you don't know the difference between red and blue if you don't know the difference between violence and voluntarism then you need to stop talking about society because if you don't get this then you just don't have a clue so again if you don't know the difference between gun or no gun if you think that punching into a Starbucks job that you got voluntarily that services voluntary consumers, if you don't get that that's voluntary and you equate it to uh, Abu Ghraib, then you don't you don't get something very fundamental about life. Now, I understand that uh, Starbucks probably lobbies the government, and so there's edges, of course, absolutely. I mean, this is a voluntary show. I think the TCPIP protocol was developed by government labs at some point, and the internet was originally funded by the Department of Defense. I mean, you can put, you can put a little shit in your sandwich, but there's still a big difference between a, that and a completely shit sandwich. So I just want to, to point this out to, to understand this difference. So competition. Let's let's understand competition. So they say, well, people selling products don't want competition. This is not true at all. I mean, it's it's not true in biology. It's not true in, in economics. People absolutely want um, want competition. Um, most people. I mean, of course, when you're in direct competition, you don't like the other guy. But uh, everybody wants competition uh, in their general field as a whole. So if you look something like FedEx and UPS, yeah, they compete with each other, but they're both advertising. They're both consistently reminding people that there's an option to the postal service that you can get stuff delivered by a private organization so they actually benefit from having each other in the uh, in the industry it raises the awareness of the market and the opportunities as a whole cd or dvd or the new blu-ray players if, if you're the only guy making cds and nobody's competing with you nobody's going to buy a cd player nobody's not going to be a standard you need people to pile in on the uh, uh on the standards to raise awareness and general market acceptance of what it is that you're doing 
Now, a truly free market never historically, never has, never will sustains uh, a, a monopoly. And I've got a whole video on this. Just look for Steph Bot Monopoly uh, to, to see this. Uh, and there's tons of articles out. This just doesn't happen. And it's not up to a company whether there's competition. It's up to the consumers. If consumers only wanted FedEx, there would be no UPS. The fact that consumers want both is why both exist. And consumers generally like having choice within a market. And they're always contrarians. At the moment someone becomes dominant, they, they like apples even more, right? So, so if consumers want options, options will be provided. So this whole thing about, you know, Walmart coming into a community and crushing the mom and pop stores and destroying them and... No, this is nonsense. This is complete and utter nonsense. It displays a woeful ignorance of even the basic principles of economics. It's not Walmart who puts the mom and pop stores out of business. It is the consumers who make that choice. If the consumers don't like Walmart and prefer shopping at the mom and pop stores, then those consumers will do that. Walmart will go out of business. The mom and pop stores will flourish. It's not Walmart who makes this happen. It is the consumers, the consumer choice of where they want to shop that makes this happen. So ascribing what the consumers desire to the corporations themselves, again, fundamentally, fudges, misunderstands, misaligns, conflates these two opposites, right? Walmart doesn't do anything other than offer its services. People choose to go to Walmart or they choose not to go to Walmart. Now, again, you could say, well, but Walmart lobbies and they've got these sweatshops and so on and blah, blah, blah. Sure, I mean, I understand all of that. I really do. But fundamentally, it comes down to the choices of the consumers, right? Walmart's coming in. The mom and pop stores have local relationships. They have a loyal client base. They probably have uh, paid off their stores if they've been around for a long time. So it's not up to Walmart whether the mom and pop stores go out of business. It's up to the consumers. Ah, uh, automation. Oh, man. I mean, this this stuff was dealt with in the wealth of nations with the example of the pins. So, ah, oh, the system is not designed to serve the needs of the people. Otherwise, there would be no outsourcing. Well, again, this is just retarded, frankly. And these guys are smart enough to know better. And a free market economist who can explain all of this stuff in 10 minutes is a phone call away. And not making that phone call is, uh, is corrupt to the highest degree in putting out this kind of nonsense. Of course, there is outsourcing because that's what consumers want. If consumers wanted to pay more for domestic jobs, those domestic jobs would be provided. If you wanted to pay another $400 for your notebook with a Made in America sign, that's what you would do and no jobs would be outsourced. Companies don't want to outsource. Nobody wants to fly over to India and set up a software shop or a helpline. You go over, you get Delhi, uh, Delhi Belly and you throw up for three days. And nobody wants to go through that risk of uprooting. Nobody wants to lay people off. Nobody wants to fire people. All that they're doing is reflecting the requirements or the requests or the demands or the preferences of the consumers. It is the consumers who choose outsourcing because they choose cheaper electronic materials. It's the consumers who choose outsourcing. It's not the companies. Nobody, if nobody wanted outsourcing and some company started outsourcing, that company would go out of business. So again, the system is designed to serve the needs of the people because the people choose cheaper electronics or cheaper help desk or whatever, and that means outsourcing. But it's the choice, voluntary choice of the consumer, not some will fascistic imposition from corporations. And I mean, I've run a company. I, I know what I'm talking about. You can't impose your will on the consumer, right? If you call up a com if you call up some consumer and say, "I'm doubling the price of you. I'm cutting down my supply. I'm going to double the price," and 
they'll just tell you to get lost. That's voluntarism, right? So again, sort of mentioned that. Uh, we did that. Um, automation uh, simply produces more goods per resource. And that's how you grow wealth, right? To say that automation is bad and therefore we need more machines to produce everything is just kind of ridiculous, right? So uh, automation simply means I invest $1,000 in a computer that returns me $5,000 worth of extra goods a year. I mean, that's how wealth grows. That is how wealth is created. If the price of houses uh, suddenly went to zero, houses popped up like mushrooms out of the earth, yes, the entire building industry would be screwed, right? And real estate uh, agents would have to get real jobs. But, every, I mean, all the money we would have formerly spent on houses, we used to buy other things. There's a mass increase in, in the amount of wealth in society. Ah, scarcity, the artificial scarcity. Scarcity does not increase profit. Scarcity does not, repeat after me, scarcity does not increase profit. Scarcity increases competition, right? So if I've got a whole bunch of milk and I decide, and people want uh, a thousand gallons of milk a minute, and I decide, oh, I'm going to produce 500, well, people will just buy from somewhere else. It increases competition, assuming constant demand, right? Now, scarcity can also reduce demand and permanently. Right, So if somebody wants to order a thousand gallons of milk a day for me, and I say, I'm only going to give you 500, he'll basically say, well, screw you, bud. I'm going to go to some other guy who's going to give me a thousand. He's never coming back. Right, So scarcity does not increase profit. It's inc incredibly risky and self-destructive to withhold products from the market. Now, gun or no gun. Scarcity plus a gun equals increased profit. Right, So uh, if, if people want a thousand uh, gallons of milk a day and I can force them to buy from me, I can crank up the price. But the problem there is the gun, not money, not voluntarism, not a free market, not any of that stuff. The problem is the force that is used to keep competition at bay. I mean, if you don't get that, then you're saying theft is exactly the same as trade. Violence is exactly the same as voluntarism. And that's just intellectually corrupt and dishonest because nobody's that stupid. Problem, fundamentally, is not monetarism, uh, it's not fascism, it's not communism, it's not socialism, it's not the dictatorship of the punch clock, it's not machines, it's none of the... The problem is violence. It's really that simple. The problem is not... the pro uh, We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, so then they get to alternative energy. <sighs> okay, so dudes, like instead of telling us about you know, all these documentaries with the creepy music and the monochromatic fascists and the pretty graphics. Why don't you just go and create and you get this geothermal and sell it to everyone? You'll be able to outbid all of the, uh, 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 all of the people who are currently producing um, uh, energy. You'll be able to, uh, it'll be sustainable. You won't have any problems with the EPA. You will be able to outcompete. Why are you making documentaries? It's like those guys who call you up and say, ooh, I've got a hot stock tip for you. It's like, why are you telling me? Why aren't you buying it yourself? It's only a hot stock tip if I believe you and buy it, right? Well, what prevents them? Does the free market prevent them from providing cheap and renewable and pollution-free energy? Of course not. Consumers would love that. It would be cheaper. There would be fewer costs for disposal. I mean, if you send me something which says, hey, you know, I can uh, reduce uh, your energy bill by 50%, uh, and, by the way, you'll get the feel goods of no pollution and the cheap, uh, the, the virtually no disposal costs of no pollution. I'd be like, dude, <laughs> you had me at 50% off, right? So consumers would love it. Would other corporations stop them doing it? Of course not. SO has no army, has no guns, standard oil, has no bombers, no planes, no jails, right? It's not other corporations. 
the violence of the state would stop them, right? The corporations would get state injunctions. Uh, see Daddy Daycare for a great example of this. That's a movie. But the corporations would get injunctions. They wouldn't be able to pass EPA hearings. They wouldn't be able to fill out all the permits. Stuff would be denied. And if they went ahead and built anyway and produced anyway and tried to sell anyway, they would get cease and desist. If they resist those, guys show up with guns. They take them to jail where they get raped. It's the violence of the state that prevents the exploration and dissemination of alternate energy sources. Again, the problem is not money. The problem is violence. The problem is gun versus no gun. Ah, no money. The dream of a barter society is literally as old as mankind. And it's totally possible. In a stateless, uh, free society, use money, don't use money. If you want to barter your toes for a sow's head, go for it, right? But if some people prefer money in a free society, are you going to use violence to prevent them? Well, that's the initiation of the use of force, since the choice to use money, if it's made in a free market environment without a government monopoly, perfectly valid, right? Will you use violence to stop them? Of course not, right? So again, the problem is gun or no gun. And as um, Mises wrote as long ago as the 1920s, von Mises, uh, efficient allocation of resources is impossible without price. That's why centrally planned socialist economies never work. Never work. Because there's no price which indicates aggregate demand, so you can't ever efficiently allocate resources. <laughs> now, they brought up in the film, I thought it was kind of funny, they brought up in the film, they said, well, what would be your motive in a uh, monetary-less society? What would be your motive? And I thought, okay, well, great, so what's the motive for producing all these machines and maintaining them and oiling them and inventing them and testing them and so on? What's your motive? And they went, oh, but the motive is for you to get out of bed and stuff like that. But that doesn't answer the question. If all these magical machines and geothermal energy is supposed to produce all this wonderful stuff, why would people strain to the utmost to produce these machines in the absence of a profit? The fundamental problem of motivation. That's, again, why everything that came out of the Soviet Union was made entirely of crap and fail, right? Because there's no incentive, right? So it's, it's all well and good to say, oh, other people will do it. It's like, but that's why I say to these guys, why don't you stop making documentaries and stop producing all of these fantastic machines you say will change the world? Right? Well, because they can't because the government will stop them. But then the problem is government, not money. And how will those people who know what to produce in the absence of price, how will they know what people prefer? Right? All human desires are infinite. All resources are finite. That's the foundation of economics. So where do you apply your finite resources to, to solve uh, which desires? The only way you can tell is through price and the mechanism of money and trade. So... To sum up, I mean, it's the baby in the bathwater situation. Yes, of course, state monopolies and the corporations that use the state to enforce their wills, they're evil because they're sustained by the initiation of force and so taxation and tariffs and union dues and uh, uh, um, uh, subsidies, farmer subsidies, other kinds of subsidies. Yeah, we've got the police, the military, courts, prisons, the money supply, uh, banking, welfare, healthcare, the list goes on and on. Yeah, these government-sanctioned, government-enforced, government-protected monopolies, that's all evil because it's the initiation of the use of force. But just because the government runs money does not mean that money is innately evil, right? Um, saying we need to get rid of money in a voluntary society is like saying Russians can't grow bread because farming used to be a Soviet monopoly. Well, just because the government does it now doesn't mean that it's innately evil. The, the point is to have a free society, which means people can use money or not use money as they see fit, but they don't have access to the state where they can offload all the costs of enforcement onto the taxpayers, right? So, and again, have a listen to 
or a read of my free book, Practical Anarchy, at www.freedomainradio.com forward slash free uh, for more on this. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And uh, I am, you know, for what it's worth, I'm grateful for what the Zeitgeist guys are doing in terms of getting interesting questions out there. I think their answers are completely retarded, but um, the questions are good, right? And, and so I guess good for them for, for uh, starting up the questions. Have a toodle by freedomainradio.com. Pick up your free books and free podcasts. If you can donate, I would really appreciate it. And thank you so much for watching as always. And uh, I will talk to you soon.